I do the talking, a story from a dream that's mine. I cross the river, nothing to give ya, but all my love and all my time. I'm on your... There is a place where time stands still, where nature is harsh and demanding, where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. And yes, you do. This is Australian film on 3CR, 855 on your AM dial. And of course, streaming and all the other things that you can do with the internet, the wonderful internet, if you go on 3cr.org.au. And uh, today we're going to have a chat to Chris Fitchett. He's a director. He uh, started in the uh, early uh, wild and woolly days in the 70s in Australia and then spent a number of years as a producer, but is now back in the driver's seat with a film that's uh, just been released called The Fear of Darkness. And so we um, have a chat with Chris uh, a little bit about uh, what it's like to come back from the dead, as it were, from uh, uh, being uh, a support person to being a uh, motivator of a project and uh, also generally about uh, his um, remembered past. So uh, we'll get on with um, our chat with Chris Fitchett. Okay, it's my great pleasure to be talking to Chris Fitchett. Hello, Chris. How are you? Pretty good. Yeah, and you have just uh, finished a film called uh, Fear of Darkness. You've just come back from uh, winning an award, haven't you? Yeah, we um, we got into the Salt Lake City Film Festival, which is called Film Quest. We got nominated for seven awards. Um, the awards night was fantastic. I was there, and I was hoping we were going to win more awards, obviously. Um, but we won an award for Best Sound Design which oh, was cool. fantastic because we were up against amazing competition from yeah. all over the world. And it was um, it was a real filmmaker's film festival. Everyone at the um, festival were filmmakers, short filmmakers, video um, clips, you know, rock clips, um, feature films. And when I saw the other feature films, I thought, oh, this is, <laughs> this is like the Olympics. <laughs> this is tough competition. You collected together quite a... Um Stellar cast, didn't you, for this film? I was very lucky. Um, it's often it's about just whether they're available and not doing other things uh, when you ask them. Um, but also, they um, once you got one person, in this case it was Damien Garvey, who's in Rake, um, other actors took the film seriously. They thought, oh, if Damien's in it, you know, I should read the script. Um, and then when I got um, Penelope Mitchell... Uh, who's working on Vampire Diaries in the in the States? Uh, she's an Australian actress. Other people then said, "Oh, I'd like to read it too," etc. So, once you get one person, it attracts others. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Now, you you've had a long career, really, haven't you? You, you were just telling me that uh, this is this film um, 
fear of darkness takes you back into the driver's seat after quite a, a time where you were being a producer, mm-hmm. but before that you started filmmaking in Melbourne in the 70s. That's correct. I, I got a grant from the Melbourne University um, Arts Council, or whatever, I can't remember. I think it was just the, um, the Student Council. It was $200. Oh, fantastic. That started the film, and then I got another $800 uh, to finish it. So I actually made a film. It was 40 minutes long. Oh, that's, that's long. <laughs> it was like an epic. Yeah. Um, we filmed at weekends. I was doing psychology at the time at Melbourne University, but we filmed at weekends. And after I finished the film, I was one of the few people around in Melbourne who had actually made a film and oh, finished fantastic. it. So the people at Swinburne Film School at the time, said, oh, can you produce our movie, our graduation film, because they had never actually finished a film because they'd shot it, they'd done what's called a double-head screening or something, but they'd never gone through the whole process of getting to the end. So I was asked to produce a film called Queensland, which was about these two factory workers in Melbourne who dream of going to Queensland, directed by John Ruane, and it was was a big success. Yeah, yeah. We well, made, he's a great director. Yeah, he did Death in Brunswick. and That's right, which yeah. is having its anniversary. 25, 25 years. years. Yeah, but John, um, John and um, his very good friend Ellery Ryan uh, co-wrote the script, and it was such a mature and, work. And Ellery Ryan won Best Cinematographer AFI Awards for many times. Oh, yeah, for Death in Brunswick. He also did Spotswood. Um, That's right. Yeah, so he did Angel Baby. Fantastic cinematographer. So they were the Swinburne students I met. And then we made another film all together called Blood Money, which um, was uh, I directed, co-wrote it with both Ellery and John, and it was released in about 1980. Um, had John Flouse, a Melbourne uh, legend, yes. in the lead role, and uh, was very successful. The man with the great voice. A great voice, and he played Brian Brown, Brian, Brian Brown... Um, one of his earliest roles. Just he'd just done Break Morant. He did my film, and then when Break Morant came out, I thought I'm sitting on a pot of gold here, <laughs> and we sold it all over the world, and it went into profit. And I thought, gee, this is easy. <laughs> uh, it turns out it's not. Um, but then I directed another film, which was down at Portsea, which I was telling you about uh, an action we were, film. What we were talking about was um, how. Uh, Unusual it was uh, how, at that period of time that people decided that they were going to do fast cars, uh, roads, um, almost boys, stunts, and this was where Mad Bucks came in. It yeah. just seemed to come out of the blue. But yeah. you made a film similar in a way. Yeah, it was about um, three girls who go down to Portsea for the weekend. They haven't told their parents, you know, the classic thing. Um, and they're chased by two black panel vans. So it was sort of like Mad Max. <laughs> um, meets, meets Jewel. Meets a slasher film, meets Jewel. And and down at Portsea, we actually drove a panel van off the end of the Portsea Pier. Which barrel, would have been great fun. Barrel rolled it. It was quite scary, actually, because um, the car completely collapsed, uh, crushed, and then sank with the stunt driver in it. He was okay because he had scuba gear. Uh, and he laid down flat. He laid down flat. But, um, yeah, the car was just a total write-off. And when they dragged it out of the water, the stuntman saw it and he was physically ill um, as to what could have happened to him. So the times have changed. What you're saying is that in those wild and woolly days, the stunt people didn't have any 
safety net. No, no, there, there were no safety um, or even rules. safety guidelines. <laughs> uh, nowadays, you'd need a safety officer. You'd need um, you'd de- actually need to run through that stunt really carefully, and they'd probably say no to it because it was just so dangerous. And if you look at Mad Max and other films, that first one. Uh, Stone is another one. Oh, some Stone, of, some yeah. of the stunts in that, are, they're not uh, visual effects. They're actual real. Yeah, people really did it. And, uh, and uh, you know, those stunt guys were um, unbelievably um, brave, but also, I think, a bit crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in to On Screen and find out more about what's on the big and the small screen each Saturday, 11am till 12 noon on 3CR. It's a program on film, on filmmakers and on film festivals. It's called On Screen, Mm, but it's on the radio, 3CR. And you're with Annie on Showreel the sister program to On Screen on 3CR. And we're having a chat with uh, Chris Fitchett about his film The Fear of Darkness, but also about his uh, long career in in involved with the Australian film industry. So we'll continue talking to Chris Fitchett, director and producer. So what's it been like to get back in the driver's seat after such a long time? Like uh, it was about 20 years or Yeah, less? Oh, and more. more. It's 1982 was that film I made down at Portsea. I directed it. And then I got into producing teaching, teaching at the film school in Sydney. And so I hadn't directed a film for more than 30 years. But it was I had learnt so much about directing, not from the films that I directed, but actually from producing and from teaching. So I felt... It's yeah. It was a level of confidence about um, directing, but it was so good to go back into it because, as a producer, you are supporting the director. That's one of your main roles. And um, I'd had trouble with a few directors <laughs> who yeah. I won't name. Um, no. And well, you won't get another job in this town. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I didn't work with them I'm again. I'm only kidding. <laughs> Um, it's a very polite industry, I'll have to but say. But it's interesting how directing is so – there's so many choices every day. And if you're um, changing it, even just a little bit in each choice, the end result is completely different to how you started off envisaging it. Um, so I, I thought um, this was a project I uh, wrote over many years and I deliberately did it, wrote it as a low-budget film so that I could direct it. That's that's the thing, isn't it? It's choices, all about yeah. choices. Yeah, yeah. Why did you do, do a horror? Well, it started off as a horror film. I wrote, uh, we had a deal. You in, like horror, do you? I, I used to. I used to like horror films a lot in the 70s. <laughs> um and I love films like The Ring and you know, even The Omen and Exorcist and things. Because People I, I, taking, you in, it, taking you into a landscape of uh, the improbable. Well, you started the, off as psychologists. Into so. the unconscious yes. and into a sort of dreamlike state. Some of those films, it was like being in a nightmare. It was a big budget horror film when I first started writing it. And then um, over many years, it changed into a supernatural thriller, more like The Others or The Ring. And by then, I'd actually become sick of horror films <laughs> and more interested in um, mystery thrillers. Yep. So, it, and then the actors came in, and I changed it to a psychological thriller. So, really, it's not a horror film now. There's 
hardly any on-screen violence, which obviously horror films rely a lot on. Yeah. Um, it all happens off-screen. So it's more about the fear of what happens in the darkness. And there's obviously been some pretty good uh, response to this because uh, it opened at the uh, Gold Coast Film Festival. Yeah, the Gold Coast Film Festival gave us a really good showcase and we had a fantastic response. Um, it was uh, in a really big cinema, the Gold Coast Arts Cinema. Um, and, yeah, and the reviews we've had have been very positive. So it's been good for my ego. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why you do it, isn't it? Um, I think it is. But you also do it because um, it's a challenge. It, it to actually get a film made is a, it, it's like um, it's like building a, a building or something like that. There are so many people involved, and it's the people you meet also really keep you going. So sometimes you write a script and you think, oh, this will be you know, good or this will be quite funny or whatever. But then you see the actors do it, and suddenly it becomes alive. So it's great working with. The crew, particularly the directors of photography, sound designers, uh, composers, and creating something that's not yours in the end, it's everybody's, but it's um, it's so satisfying knowing you can affect an audience. Now, John Ruane's film, Death in Brunswick, I remember seeing it with him for the first time with an audience. I was sitting next to him, and he started laughing <laughs> because the audience was laughing. And he he just said afterwards, you know, to affect an audience that way is just so satisfying. Yeah, so as you said, the 25-year reunion's coming up, um, or 25-year retrospective of it. Yeah, that's so right. So it's going to be a and a with John and hopefully Sam Neill and some of the other cast members. Because it was Sam Neill and John Clark. I know. Such a fantastic pairing. Yeah, that's right. Well, John lives just down the road, you know, so oh, okay. I'm sure he'll turn up. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> That's, I mean, it's real history. Yeah. This is, it's real yeah. history. That's what's, yeah. uh, I mean, uh, talking to you, uh, the bedrock of Australian film revival, effectively, starting in the 70s. It because did. in it truth, yeah. there was one earlier. But this was, like you said, people had never actually completed a film. That, mm. ju- that just goes to show the bravery and the sheer madness. Oh, mad. Yeah, well, it was, um, it was, everyone wanted, I think, in the 60s to write the great Australian novel. But by the 70s, everyone wanted to make the great Australian film, thanks to Peter, people like Peter Weir and Jill Armstrong and Chris, um, sorry, um, yeah, Chris Noonan um, with Babe and all those films later. But a lot of those people, if you look where they started, they started in the early 70s. Yeah, they did. And uh, it's also uh, over that period of time, because I had just recently looked back at all the cinematographers who won uh, AFI awards, and I was uh, really fascinated by the range of films that uh, were made and the uh, originality of ideas, because mm. I do a bit of uh, script reading, and there is uh, a fa- fads and uh, vogues, yeah. and uh, what I've discovered, uh, I mean, you have your own limitations as a reader, but what I've discovered is you can actually tell when a film's got leaks. And is that because you're involved in it emotionally as a reader? or No, it's it's to do with uh, the, uh, well, one time, sometimes they're genre films and you can see that they'll work it within a genre, yep, yep. but also sometimes... Uh, the concepts that they're trying to get across work in a filmic fashion quite believably. So is it you can see the film? Yeah. Yeah, as you read it, yeah. 
Yeah, you can yeah. see the film as you read it. Yeah. And uh, like I read uh, 100 Bloody Acres before it became a film and I said to the person who gave it to me, oh, that's really funny and mm. it, will, uh, it made me laugh out loud. Yeah. Yeah, I read that too, and I thought this will be a black comedy, great horror film, film. and really uh, good at exposing Australianness. Yeah, yeah, which it in fact did, which is part of its charm. <laughs> which is part of its charm. Like it didn't run away from it. It yeah. wasn't like I read some scripts where people are pretending they're Americans. Mm. They're so yeah. generic that they could be in America, which yeah. is fine. But that's the that's the uh, tricky thing about writing a genre film is that you want to be true to the genre. Um, in order to get the finance to make the film, but you don't want to do <clears throat> something that has done been done to death before. Well, that's right. So the worst thing you can do is write one which is just a, a, a pastiche of other horror films. At 17 seconds after 8.15, on the clear, bright morning of August 6, 1945, an atomic bomb was dropped on Hiroshima, Japan. August 6th and 9th marks 70 years since the U.S. atomic bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, which claimed more than 200,000 lives. Join the international campaign to abolish nuclear weapons, ICANN, for Australia's first ever screening of the extraordinary 1953 film Hiroshima. Thursday, August 6th at 6.30, Collide Theatre, Melbourne. Bookings at icanw.org.au. Proceeds support ICANN's work to ban and eliminate the 15,000 nuclear weapons that exist in the world today. ICANN is a 3CR supporter. And you're on 3CR with Annie on Showreel, and we're having a chat with Chris Fitchett, who is the director of a film called The Fear of Darkness, which has just come out. And uh, we'll finish with uh, our last part of the chat with Chris Fitchett. Fear of Darkness. It, it it tells a story within an Australian context, but is able to be uh, appreciated in a broader uh, context. Yeah. Well, the difference is there's no jokes in it. <laughs> Very seriously. No. Well, it's looking at psychological issues. In fact, when I started to write it, um, I went back to my days at Melbourne University doing psychology, and some of the characters are based on the the students and one member of staff that. I actually met in those times. So it was, um, I was trying to do something that was a bit different to a normal horror film. And did you succeed? What do you mean? Um, Tell me, what do you mean? Well, what it, were you offering and adding? I wanted the horror to be in the characters' heads that, that in one character in particular, who's played by Penelope Mitchell, um, she believes that she is haunted by this creature called the darkness. And so I wanted the audience to. Um, believe that through her so that um, and at a certain point we may or may not see the darkness you'll have to see the film, film that's right. <laughs> which I guess is a little bit of um, around that notion of uh, uh, self-realizations you believe one thing to be so and then you have to sh- it, it, it's an enormous pivotal change in oneself to see it in another way yeah well that's one of the themes of the film is that it's about rational and irrational mm. and and that she has allowed her irrational self to take over, whereas uh, the Maeve Dermody character, Maeve Dermody plays a psychiatrist who um, hypnotises her and um, treats her and she's very rational. So it's, yeah, it's about that self-realisation of, of what you are doing in terms of your rational self and your irrational self. 
Whereas I just read in a book I was reading uh, where sus- it becomes so suspicious that it becomes certainty. <laughs> That's very good. That's what yeah, I thought too. Yeah. <laughs> um, and at, at the end of the film, there's a twist, um, and I won't say what it is, obviously, but it, it's then... Um, makes sense in terms of the mystery that's been happening. The Lido is having a Q&A and a screening mm-hmm. of uh, The Fear of Darkness on Wednesday, the day before this is uh, aired. But uh, it's, is it going to have an ongoing season at The Lido? I hope so. We're not sure yet. Um, it just costs so much to release a film. That's the, the, mainly the advertising and promoting it. Um, but Transmission, our distributor, is releasing it on video on demand, DVD, hopefully pay TV, uh, late October. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. This whole new platform has turned out to be a real winner for Australian films, hasn't it? Yeah, and Transmission are, are really good at it. So we're really delighted. And we didn't want to... I made three films, uh, produced three films in Queensland. One of them was Blurred, about yeah. Schoolies Week. It was incredibly successful in that it grossed $1.5 million in Australia. Um, But the cost of marketing it meant that the amount we got back as producers was minus like 300000 or something. So then the TV sale, the pay TV and the DVD sales, which were really good, just paid off the marketing costs. So we've been looking at, with this film, just having these individual screenings around the country. We've had Gold Coast, obviously, Lismore, uh, Sunshine Coast. We're having one in Brisbane, one in Melbourne, etc., just to get an awareness of the film, get some reviews, etc., so that when it's released on DVD and video on demand, that we actually make some money out of it. Did you know that there's a film this year that's called The Same Thing? There is another film in um, America called The Fear of Darkness. You can't copyright a title. No, that's right. That's what I found so amusing. No, the name, the person's name is uh, Jason Trost. Well, outrage. I'm speechless. I knew about this American film, but I don't think they've finished the American film. So it just goes to show that this title really resonates with people. Well, no one had used it before. That's that's the weird thing. There'd been. there was a, you know, obviously a band called The Darkness and stuff like that. But when we did our title search, our lawyer, um, yeah, it was available because no one had actually used it before and been successful with it. So if you've got a title like Star Wars, <laughs> you can't make a, a film in Tasmania called Star Wars. But even if you know this film is only now starting to shoot, we can't stop it. We can't say you've got to change the title because our film isn't. In other words, it's he's not using that title to make money because it's been a successful title before. No, 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 that's yeah. right. Yeah, no, it's okay. And I would have thought that by now using black is a bad idea and dark is much better. Well, going back to Death in Brunswick, the overseas distributor wanted to get rid of the word death because <laughs> they said it was box office poison. Suicide. Suicide, so they changed it to, I think it was Nothing to Lose, oh, which yeah, was right. and a very nothing, nothing title. title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and in Australia, of course, I mean, no, you've got to, you've got, if you tie something to a location, you're already ahead. Yeah, well, Spotswood's a good example, Death yeah. in Brunswick, yeah. That's yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, you're mad otherwise. Yeah. yeah. So we we should expect more films from you uh, Well, hopefully, because I, I had such a good time with that cast and with the um, the crew. 
that I want to make another film hopefully next year based on the same sort of formula, if you like, which is to do it with... Um, it's not. It's a low-budget way of doing it, but it doesn't look low-budget because you're only using a few cast, minimal locations, um, and you shoot it in four weeks, which is really quick. Um, most of the films I produced were six or seven weeks. Um, Just enough time for them to start fighting. Well, well four weeks, as long as you've got this, this, uh, a lot of scenes in the same locations, you can do it. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's right. Uh, it's it's about being um, um, precise in your attack, yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's economical, economical way of doing it. So I'd love to make another movie. I just have to write it. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Okay, well, we'll catch up to, with you when you do it. Okay, thank you. Thank, thank you. The fifth annual Melbourne Anarchist Book Fair will bring together an exciting range of independent booksellers, zinesters, and activist groups. The book fair showcases more than 40 stalls and a program of workshops. Come along to celebrate books, pamphlets, and zines, including radical fiction, the anarchist classics, and cutting-edge radical writers from around the world. It's a great opportunity to be introduced to new ideas, to challenge your thinking, and to network with like-minded folks. It's free, and we also provide free childcare. It's all happening at the Abbotsford Convent on Saturday, August 8th, from 10am till 6pm, and with an after-party in a squatted space late into the night. Find out more at www.amelbournebookfair.org or find us on Facebook. The Melbourne Anarchist Book Fair, because another world is possible. The Anarchist Book Fair is a 3CR supporter. And that's it for us on Showreel this morning. Uh, we've just been having a chat with Chris Fitchett. He's the uh, director of a film called The Fear of Darkness. So if you're online and uh, you've got uh, access to... Uh, variety of uh, film platforms then uh, look out for The Fear of Darkness and there's also obviously a screenings that are going to be across Australia so The Fear of Darkness. Uh, the um, If you're interested in the uh, Death in Brunswick screening that's going to be on Sunday August the 23rd at 6.45 at Nova Cinemas. You can book tickets at uh, Nova Cinema Nova Oh, <laughs> I've completely lost the... Uh, now, here it is, www.cinemanova.com.au or you can go to the box office and you can get tickets. It's an anniversary screening and it's uh, going to be followed by a cast and crew Q&A including John Ruane, John Clark and Zoe Carides. So that sounds like a, a real hoot. At, that's on the 23rd of August at 6.45. And just a heads up, there's a... It's terrific film I saw last night at uh, part of uh, uh, MIF, which was uh, you can buy single tickets to any of the screenings at MIF. Putupari uh, and the Rainmakers, which is set in the uh, sandy desert. Putupari uh, and the Rainmakers are the people who it's it's a particular uh, a story of. Uh, a spider and uh, the water hole in their country. Uh, it's a very important film because it really gives an understanding of uh, uh, Aboriginal uh, activism 
to uh, in relation to uh, getting back to country. And uh, if you want to see it, it's August the 15th. It's on again Saturday, August the 15th, 11am at ACME. Uh, just have a look for it and uh, you should... Uh, Put your name down and go along and have a look at it. It's pretty extraordinary. Uh, And now we're going to go out with Middle of the World, In Quiet, Ink Beyond. Coming up next is Published or Not. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.